Welcome to the Probate Mastermind Podcast. These episodes are recorded live once a week and are hosted by the AllTheLeads.com coaches. Agents, investors, and wholesalers join the coaches for everything from marketing tips, sales psychology, life deal analysis, transaction engineering, advanced real estate strategy, and personal development. You will learn to get more listings, more deals, and find financial freedom by listening to these episodes. Be sure to catch show notes at AllTheLeads.com slash podcast and join our free Facebook mastermind community, All The Leads Mastermind. Welcome to all of our renowned real estate agents and investors from across the country. Today is Thursday, March 4th, 2021, and this is Role Play Podcast number 317. As you all know, we are doing our Win of the Week uh, series for the really indefinitely from now on. If you have a win you'd like to share, please do. While I'm waiting for people to log in, hit star six and hit one. We did have one. If you have a one of the week and you're not able to be on the call, send it to us. We did have one this week, and he didn't want to share his name because he's afraid he's going to create competition in his market. So I don't know, guys. Does that qualify? What do you think? So it's think anonymous. It's win of the week. <laughs> win of the week, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> he called in and said, don't share my name or my market. But he said, I just got a call back from a letter. First conversation, I took the listing. I'll make $12,000 from that listing. This will make my third probate listing so far this year. And so far this year, I've made $24,000 from probate leads. And he said, I want to let people who say they can't afford $3,000 a year for leads know that they don't realize how much they could be making. And also, he wanted to share with us, he said, the mailings don't always result in calls, but when they do, one deal pays for many months of mailings. So he, I, I thought it was very well expressed. If we don't get a live win of the week, I guess we'll let that one stand. And I may have another, a more generic story to share later in the call, but let's get to the person who has been patiently waiting. And now we do have two people in the queue. So let's go to the first one up is phone number ending in 0068. You're up first. Good morning. This is Joe in California. And I hey, come Joe. from a back, background of door knocking. And just recently, I'm picking up uh, door knocking the probates, and I was wondering what your what your experience is with doing door knocking. I'll let Bruce answer that, but I'll tell you in college, <laughs> I sold books door to door. Best experience for sales I could ever have. Knocked on doors for 80 hours a week, and after after that, going into real estate, real estate it was relatively easy. I'll just answer briefly, and and then Bruce, please. I know you have more detailed follow up. The, it's great if the heirs are local, but remember, have you actually tried it so far, Joe, or are you just considering trying it? No, I've been doing it. And are, you're knocking on the executor's door, correct? You're not knocking on the property door. That's correct. Okay. And obviously, you don't do it if they're not, you don't fly there and do it if they're not local. So Bruce said he, first of all, we'd like to know what's your experience so far? What's been, what kind of results have you gotten? First of all, and I don't know, I've done a lot of door knocking and typically I get maybe one in five at the door in the past, but this week it's 70% of the people are home. And I, I was sensitive to the whole COVID, how people would react to coming to someone coming to the door. And what I've been surprised by is they're like happy to see me for somebody to talk to. I've gotten one hot lead from it out of 10 doors, seven people were at home and one hot lead. 
What's your overall? Great. What's the overall? The reaction is a lot of people are actually happy to hear to see you, versus a lot of people when you call have a level of skepticism because they 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 get other sales calls. But have you had anyone that just got aggressive with you, or has everybody been really good? Everybody's been really good. I've door knocked uh, for sale by owners, expireds, NODs. <laughs> So I have a lot of experience, and I found even NODs, it's very rare for people to be mad. I think maybe the expireds were the most mad people that I'd come across. I want to be clear that door knocking is not something that I have personally done a lot of. I, I have several people that I've coached that have door knocked, and it's, it's a lower number, and the biggest reason is fear. You get a lot of people that that are afraid to go door knock, and they're afraid because they think that they're going to be encountered with someone face-to-face that is just irate and angry, and you're not the first person. As a matter of fact, I don't think I've had a single person that I've talked to that door knocks that has really encountered anyone that's super angry. Every now and then, you get a little bit of resistance, but it's much less resistance when you're face-to-face with someone than it is when you're on the phone. It's harder for them to turn you away. They're usually much nicer. I would I would encourage a lot of, a lot more people, including myself, to go door knock if you have the time interesting story is I lost a piece of business that was a guaranteed slam dunk piece of business this year because to um, Jim's point earlier, he said, you're not going to to fly out and door knock on someone's door that isn't local. Somebody flew to Colorado. I live in North Carolina. Somebody flew to Colorado and knocked on the door of the PR and said, I was out here in Colorado and I saw that you lived here and I thought it would be worth making a little drive up the interstate knocking on your door and he listed with them. I I almost have a hatred for people that door knock because you're taking business away from me. (laughs) But it works. It works. I'd encourage you to keep doing it. And uh, you could probably teach a lot of people some of the best techniques where I might not be able to. Mine are all speculative. Yeah, as I mentioned, I sold condensed encyclopedias door to door. It was uh, kind of interesting. It just occurred to me that back then, there were probably more people door knocking than there are now. There was a Fuller Brushman. There was Avon Calling. There were people that had regular routes, and it's pretty uncommon now. With the old 180-degree theory, you're doing the opposite of what everybody else is doing. And I interrupted you. You had a follow-up comment? I was going to ask is, would you leave, if someone isn't at the, isn't home, would you leave something with them or at the door, leave something in the door? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. If you call someone and they don't answer, do you leave a voicemail? Yes. Yes. Then we're going to leave something on the door. Okay, and maybe like the letter that we send out? You can uh, certainly do that. Letter. We, we also do door hangers that we've been doing for several customers who are doing exactly what you're doing. I'd say probably 5% of the people who are having us do mail for them also get a supply of door hangers and they use it exactly for that purpose. A lot of times people won't come to their door and they literally just pop pop in, put the door hanger on, has their information, people see it, and they're getting some good mileage out of that. I was just going to wait to you got done, but we have a lot of people that we're doing door hangers for. Okay, so we can get that through the website. Absolutely, yeah. You just have to let support know that's what you're looking for. And we're, we've got a group of people now that we refer to as our MIS people 
and that's marketing implementation specialist, then you just let them know that you want a door hanger and they'll prepare it for you, show you a sample of it. You can order it right up and we'll ship them right out to you. And they're made already so that you already have a hole punch and a hook on it so that you can hang it right on the door. Excellent. Thank you. No problem. Yeah, I think that's great. And I assume you're doing that. Are you doing that instead of the rest of your campaigns or in addition to? Are, in other words, are you leading with door hanging or do you send the letter first? Is that an add-on or is that instead of other marketing? No, first thing I do is call everybody. Okay. Number two is I send the letter out. And number three is I'm going, I'm, I just started this week, but I'm going to go right away for the people who I didn't get a hold of. I'm going to go out and door knock. And I get a, I get several counties from you guys. And sometimes one county, I don't go to all the counties, but if they're in the three closest counties to me, I'll go door knock them. That's great. When they answer the door, you can use the same thing you would use on the phone is I recently sent you a letter. Just want to make sure you got it and understand what I have to offer. Or is that, what is your approach when they answer the door? Is that what you use or do you use something else? I'm still working on that. I've been saying what I say is I saw there was a probate here in, in this county and came by to see if there's any real estate that needs to be sold. Okay. And people tell me the whole story. Oh, yeah. that was my father's house and my brother's taking it over or no, I'm going to sell it. I mean, anybody who hasn't door knocked, you cannot believe how nice people are. Yeah, 100%. So much nicer than the phone. Yeah, it's true. Not to say not to call, but they are nicer than the phone for sure. Yeah. They used to tell us that the rare occasion somebody's kind of mad and slams the door in your face, go around to the side door and knock and say, hey, the guy in the front wasn't in a very good mood, so I thought I'd come around here and check with you. I actually actually did that, and it never failed to get a laugh. It would loosen them up a little bit. But you're you're right. Less less than 1% of the people, one-tenth of 1% are nasty. They they really are. Yeah. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that with us. And the only other thing I was going to say, you might want to – I'm not going to tell you to do anything different. If you're getting a 10% success rate, which it sounds like you are – Keep doing what you're doing. You might want to vary the approach at the door to be a little more generic. And maybe not, Bruce. If you think it's better to be more direct on the phone, we teach. There's a lot of different ways I can help you. You don't go right for the real estate. Maybe you're there face-to-face. Do you think that's a more effective approach at the door, Bruce? I think that, honestly, I think that you try a couple of different techniques out. I would, I would reference probate personal representative and just basically – going and and having a conversation with other people that are in your same boat. And I wanted to find out what the experience has been like so far. And if you're face-to-face with them, it's pretty rare that you're going to get nothing or, hey, we got everything handled. They're probably going to open up and say, oh, man, it's stressful, or I don't even know which side is up right now. So I would just ask about their experience, I think. But if you're not getting any traction there, there's dozens of other strategies you could use when you're at their door, too. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. I think it, it, we've only, in the six years we've been doing that, that's probably only come up a couple times. So it's good to hear you're taking the path of least resistance and you're doing something most people aren't willing to do. So keep it up and keep reporting back the results. If, you know, we'll keep Thank you very much. Appreciate you sharing. All right. Thank okay. you. We only have two in the queue. we got plenty of room for more. It's star six and hit one. In the meantime, next up is phone number ending in 3536. 
you're up next. Hey, hey, how's it going, guys? This is Marcus here in Baltimore. Thank you for taking my call. I have a quick question. I have a portfolio of properties that I am co-wholesaling. I've sent them out to prospective buyers, and I haven't gotten any. No one actually, no one actually bit. Some one investor actually emailed me, and the question was, and maybe you guys can answer, interpret her, her response. She said, "Nice to meet you. Do you have these deals under contract?" Which I do. And then she said, "What's the story behind this portfolio of properties?" We can help you move them, but we need more info. Give us a little background. So, in other words, she was trying to not buy them. She was trying to get you to hire her to help advertise, it sounds like. What was the size of the investor group that you sent those out to? Uh, it was only about uh, maybe 10. Okay. Are you a part of the RIA up there? I am not. Nope. Okay, you gotta you've gotta go join RIA, Real Estate Investors Association. Join that. It's gonna be a small, probably annual fee. They anyone who's a member also pays for a, a member rate for classes that they host. But honestly, joining in a RIA is the best and easiest way to to meet seasoned investors that aren't all new in the game. That email that you got to me, it sounds like someone who wants to wholesale a wholesale, which really doesn't exist. It sounds to me like they just want to step in, collect a marketing fee, which is ultimately what you're almost collecting by doing a wholesale. It's worth a conversation with her, but if she's not the investor or the buyer for you, then don't sign any kind of any kind of extra marketing fee. How well do you know your numbers? How do you determine that this was a good investment for you to get involved with? As far as co-wholesaling, they're using the qualifying ratio of 70% of the uh, ARV. And the person who actually vetted these properties, they are taking uh, 20K for their fee, wholesaling fee. And they think they're negotiating no more than 5000 off of that. Not a lot of wiggle room negotiating. (laughs) How did you guys determine ARV? I believe they, I wasn't the one who vetted these properties, but from what they were telling me, they were using a square footage. I think they were doing maybe $12 or $15 a square foot for each home, but for rentals. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to me, it, it's either um, not as good of an investment as you, as they might have led you to believe, either that or your pool of investors aren't legitimate. And the easiest way to to fix that is just get in with the RIA up there. You can, over time, build up your pool of investors without a RIA, but that's the fastest way because they're already already networked and they're already meeting with one another in those groups. And they have meetings weekly in an area like you're in. I bet you could join in on a meeting a couple of times a week and build up that portfolio and they'll let you, as long as you're a member, they'll let you advertise your properties inside of the group. And as long as they're good investments and it's a good deal, you will have no problem flipping that contract. Okay. Okay. All right. Good advice. Thank you. Appreciate it. And if you happen to want, I, I hate to open myself up to this. If you happen to want someone to just give a quick review of the portfolio to help you determine if maybe you guys overcommitted on the contract, shoot me some details over. I'll take a look at it. That's awesome. Thank you kindly. How do I get your information? Oh, email me at bruce at alltheleads.com. Thank you kindly. Appreciate it, Bruce. Definitely. Thank you. Yeah. And hey, we, 
We only have one person in the queue, guys, there. Please jump in, hit star six, and hit one. I wanted to add something to that. We haven't talked about it in a while. If you, Whether you're a realtor or an investor, you really should be the, a member of your local RIA group. It's usually $100 or less per year. For realtors, you're going to pick up opportunities to, to list the properties after they buy and rehab them. You're going to pick up good deals. And for, for investors, my local group is about 500 members. It's funny. You go to a meeting and 5% of them are doing something. The other 95% are there to learn like you. But the ones that are doing something, and first of all, the ones that aren't doing something are often they'll settle for a lower profit margin. So they might be they might be somebody you could wholesale a deal to. And the ones that are doing something, you can learn a lot from them. The, the best way, I don't know a county in the country that doesn't have a RIA, but you can go to RIA.com or RIA.org, that's R-E-I-A, and you'll see a map. Just click on your county and, and go join one of those groups. It's it's time and money okay. well spent. It's usually just a monthly meeting. I'll do that All today. Right. Yeah. Appreciate it. Okay, appreciate it, sir. Thank you. We have two more in the queue, and we got room for more guys. Hit star six and hit one. Next up is Fed. You are up now. By the way, Fed, I saw you showed up for the role play call yesterday that we didn't have. <laughs> you, you got the updated information, right? I did. Yeah, thanks. It might be a, before you start. It might be a good time to touch on that. We have not discontinued the role play. We've just changed the format. We're now doing it. As part of Bruce's foundations training, we're doing it twice a month instead of once a month. So and if you're a sub, it's completely free. If you're not, there's a very small charge. But now, more opportunity to role play. I know people like them. We're just, we just changed the schedule a little bit. So if I know you, yep. Fed, you probably went on there and role played by yourself. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I got the listing. <laughs> well, good job. I have a question and a suggestion. So the suggestion is for the gentleman who is talking about talking about door knocking. I also door knock often expired or just go look for houses for investors, developers, all that stuff. And to facilitate that, what I've done is I wrote a handwritten card once and made it into a vector file and then figured out that on an eight by 11 sheet, you can fit four five and a half by 4.25 inch cards. And once it's in vector mode, you could fit four on each sheet and then you just print them. And I have them in my car at all times and they're printed in uh, on blue sheets. So you could either do it through you guys or through in general. And it's just always the same message. But since he already sent out a letter and he's going to door knock, it could be the pitch that that Bruce has often suggested the idea of a local service that concentrates on helping families, et cetera, et cetera. This may not be for you. Maybe we could talk for 30 seconds and let you decide if it's worth a further conversation just to create a little bit of a question mark in their head. And I think it, it could just be an extra step, but mainly the suggestion was more about having the pre-printed handwritten cards so that it's an extra layer uh, on top of the letter and of the call, it's almost like a third way of, quote unquote, touching that prospect or lead or whatever we want to call them. I don't know if you guys agree or not. It was just a suggestion. It worked pretty well for me here in my market. I'll tell you something, Stephen, speak here. And by the way, we can we can do any of this printing for you. We can do that multiple sheets. Where you, this is like a sticky thing you detach and put on the door or was it a card that you hung over the uh, door? No, door it's, it's an actual, it, it's an actual card. It's just okay. a, a plain, 
plain card, like the ones how you guys have the blue envelopes for the letters, is the same color, sure. but then it's just a slightly smaller card. And I usually put it in an envelope too, and I leave it. Because at least in my market, I've seen that competitors or realtors, the second they see, unfortunately, door hang or anything like that, I've seen people literally throw my stuff away, like sure. other realtors. And I think it was just wasn't, you know, so the fact that it comes in, you know, what you guys always suggest, it looks like a wedding invitation or something. People usually don't touch that. And that way right. it's closed, leave it at the door, they open it and it just, it's just, just a suggestion. So yeah, I think. Oh, sure. I was going to share something pretty sneaky and any of these approaches, the door hanger, the flyer, the stickers, try them, do a little ABC test and see what works the best. But I remember an investor from an old group that I was a part of that claimed he had a virtually 100% callback rate on going to doors. He made some stickers that looked like UPS stickers. And it just, sorry, we missed you. Give us a call back at this number. And he would just put them on the door. And people thought mm. they had missed a package delivery. And they would call back every single time. That's a little sneaky and it's a little devious. but Genius. I'm definitely yeah, doing that today. Yeah, we, we could do that for you also. Bruce, anything <laughs> you want to add on? Yeah, this is not exactly geared toward door knocking, but but it does does apply to those of you that are visiting houses. One of the there's one of our affiliate coaches is I think Tim and Julie. I think Tim and Julie have probably been on this podcast before, Jim. Oh maybe yeah, so times. they they teach to do a pre-listing packet, and and of course this is when you have a listing appointment that you would drop a pre-listing packet off at the door, and it just has a folder with a waterfall tiered list of services and options that people get to choose from, and you put it in a FedEx style envelope. It's high open rate, and it's something that we've toyed around with. I'm going to go back to a conversation I had with Tim many months ago, and he's going to shoot me because I'm not sure we're ready to offer this, but we could get it ready or help you design it if you guys are interested, is delivering a really high-value envelope or box with vendor information in there. You could get your vendors to write up a, a little blurb about their service and why it might help a family. You could put one of your letters in there. You could put your brochures in there. You could put discounts and coupons from home improvement stores. We're talking about a project here, and I know it's something that, that we could help with. And if you're door knocking, you could always deliver that, and it's something that's high value. It's guaranteed to get open because if they look and they see an envelope that's like a FedEx size on their doorstep or even a box, you're going to get a lot of a lot of traction off of that if you're door knocking especially. Bruce, are you saying to ironically I'm picking up I ordered 30 PLPs last week. Am I so are you then referring to perhaps modifying the pre-listing package into a probate version or just make yeah. it maybe making one of the quote-unquote slides a probate? I think that you could modify the pre-listing package into a probate version where you're, what I would do if I were doing this is I would, I, I'd make a lot of those waterfall tiered pieces of paper inside of the folder. I'd make a lot of them vendor specific. So I might have a vendor specific mm. piece or piece of paper for my financial advisor and another one for a contractor and another one for Got a it. landscaper. And then of course, one for me. And then maybe make another one of them that's a high-value content piece that might be something like the five five mistakes to avoid if you're administering an estate. Put some discount codes, things like that in there. 
and it's going to work. It's going to work really well. I, I, I haven't so, proven yeah. it. <laughs> I haven't proven it because I haven't done it in my market. But he, it's it's guaranteed to get open, and it has so much value Absolutely. in there that it's going to be remembered. No, hundred percent. That's actually a great idea. I have the the file, so I'm probably just going to modify it and then see what I can come up with. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Thank you. So I, I know there's someone else on the in the queue, so I'll go to the next. No, we question. have a half hour left. We have oh. so far. Take your time. I, I'm not going to oh. rush you today. We, we got all the time. <laughs> We've already really done this with you one other week. Yeah. The question has someone contacted me yesterday and communicated that her mother was a service, like a caretaker for a someone who passed away. And it looks like the person who passed away had outstanding bills with her. It looks like there's, so the mother is trying to get, it looks like it's going into probate court and the mother is trying to get her funds back. So they asked me, how do we go about even communicating this to the court? My answer was, but I said I would have to double check. I said I would probably likely send three, a letter to the executor, to the court, and to the attorney, and just certify it. Is there anything else that she would have to do to make sure that she's, or that at least the courts know that she needs to get paid once the probate is over? So this is Tim. You really touched on all three of them. You've got three places to send it. One is obviously to the court directly to the judge in regard to the particular case or docket number once it's filed and to Mm -hmm. the executor. The whole purpose of the executor is to consolidate those bills. Bigger question I would ask, though, is does, is there a contract for the services? Is there, are there invoices that can be provided? Because if not, you need to probably make sure that they gather them up and present them in a professional way to get that done. And the reason I say that is that all too often what an executor will find is that there are scam artists out there and People will literally troll probate listings, the public notice of probate. They'll troll okay. them and they'll, in essence, try to put a, a, not a mechanics lien, but a lien on the probate for it. And quite often, if it's small enough, the executor will just pay it. They'll write them a check for it and assume it was valid. And so now courts are getting smarter about that and they're looking for good evidence and all of that. And a smart executor is going to be looking for that as well. And if you make it super easy and it looks very professional, it'll be much more likely to get paid quickly. Got it. Okay. Um, okay. Hey, Thank you. That makes sense. Yes. Follow-up question, Fed. You had a conversation with this person. Is this person the PR and also a creditor? No. The or person who contacted ironically, this is just a, a friend of mine who knows that I do probate because I've spoken to her about it just to see if she or any family members is going through it. Just making sure that that they know I'm in this niche as well. And therefore, she called me. She said, hey, I'm so happy that you've been telling me about probate and this and that. This is the situation. My mom is going through this, that. What do you suggest we do so that she can make sure she gets paid? So it, that's well, more how it happened. This wasn't through one of the calls or letters. Got it. The great thing for her is this is the purpose of probate. It's one of the the fundamental purposes is to give creditors a chance to to collect their debts. So 
So the, the personal representatives responsible for running ads in the newspaper for three separate weeks, there's going to be an address in there, and I would just go ahead and send have those invoices sent to the attorney, to the PR, to the clerk. I would just kind of do a scatter shot if I was owed money on an estate, and, and, and that should really suffice. Now, if it's just a letter saying, hey, John owed me $10,000, it's not. It's probably not going to get approved. But yeah, uh, make sure that there's some sort of a contract in place. Okay, and some invoices if they if they have them. Yep. Yeah, and even, even right? if they don't, even if they don't have them, it's not normal to do that because a lot of times there's the caregiver profession is notoriously not well documented, and even if they okay. don't have them, they should make them up. And I'm not saying falsify documentation. It's appropriate mm-hmm. to make an invoice for services and. Do it professionally. They're easy to find Microsoft Word templates online for professional invoice formatting. And just put a normal invoice together for the time of service, the hours provided, whatever it is, and show an hourly rate and just deal with it professionally. And they'll get it paid. Okay. Okay, absolutely. I'll advise that right away. Hey, Pat, I was going to add something. You touched on something that I don't think we've talked about before or often. You mentioned you're letting your serve influence know that you're actively involved in helping people in probate. That, that's really smart because there's a, probably a lot of people you sold houses to over the years. They inherit a property and maybe somebody contacts them who does specialize in probate. They don't know that you do it. So I think that's real smart when you do your sphere of influence calls. Make sure they know that in addition to everything else you do in real estate, that you now also are a a probate specialist. And the reverse of that is also true. We have subscribers that have built their sphere because everybody – they meet on a probate transaction, it gets added to their sphere of influence. So one one could definitely feed the other. That, that's very smart. It's something I don't think we've talked a lot about. So see that? You, you added mean, all kinds of value to the call. You didn't even know it. Thank you. Touch on that and your suggestion. Cut out so, there. Oh, sorry. You cut you out me? for a second. Said, say it again. Yeah, my, my headphones just said goodbye to me. I don't know why. It's only 1040 in the morning. I was going to say, so usually the way I start to present with probate, topic with clients is I just ask them, hey, how did you take title? I understand that you have kids or blah, blah, blah. And then I say, did you create a trust? And then they go over, why do we need a trust and this and that? And then I say, having one would likely avoid you going into probate and what's probate. And then from there, and then they say, oh, how do you know so much about probate? And then I say, I I got certified in probate because so many families need help. And that's usually how that conversation starts. Is there something uh, in addition that you guys would maybe add to that or maybe modify? So I I wouldn't really modify anything, but my input to what you just said is more of a reinforcement of what you're doing with your sphere of influence and people that are not just leads. Um, In the marketing world, and we never talk about this in the real estate world for some crazy reason, but they have have what they refer to as sticky marketing. And and sticky marketing is anything that you do that, that... sticks in the conscious mind of that consumer that you're dealing with. And it's one of the reasons why I encourage everyone who's prospecting or marketing in the real estate space to use specific examples of things that they can help with. Often you're so scared of using a specific example of what you're looking for because you think I'm just going to eliminate, I'm going to eliminate 
the need of anyone that I'm talking to if I'm too specific. So I'll go so so specific as to say, I just wanted to give you a call, Bob, you're a good friend of mine. I just wanted to give you a call because I'm helping a family that's going through probate right now. And they have a house that needs to be cleaned out and it needs this and that. And I'll give some details on it and then and then just say, hey, do you happen to know anyone that's looking for a property that might need to be flipped? Or do you happen to know anybody else going through probate? And I'm making it really detailed, but that person that I'm talking to is never going to forget the request. Whereas if I just called and said, do you know anyone thinking about buying or selling a house? They're going to hang the phone mm-hmm. up and forget I ever asked within five minutes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, go, ahead. go ahead, Jim. No, I'm just going to add a little bit to that. I agree 100% be specific. And I, I like what you're doing now, telling people that they should be in trust. And it, it's interesting statistic that anybody that has over 100000 in assets should have a living trust, yet less than 5% of Americans have a trust. And two specific examples are Steve Jobs and Walt Disney. They were pretty intelligent, successful people. They both uh, died and their properties had to go through probate. One of one of part of Walt Disney's estate is still being fought with, over several with several of his grandkids, and he's been dead for forty years. Specific, I, I like that you're telling them that you're trying to help them avoid these situations in the future. And I, so the combination of what Bruce said and what you're doing, I think, is is an excellent approach. Good job. Thank you. And, and, and uh, go ahead. When you're done, Tim had something he wanted to add. Also, go ahead. Oh, Tim, you can go ahead. I, I you can go ahead if you'd like. No, but it's not about that. You finish this topic up. Finish up what we're talking about. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, Bruce, I think I heard you say that one one of the things that you would mention on that call is perhaps are you looking for anyone who's looking to flip a property? So to to that comment, and maybe I just have some confusion, um, I befriended another befriended um, another realtor realtor here here in Los Angeles who does probate and who often has probate properties come up. At the same time, I have some flippers who constantly look for these projects. The challenge I found is that this other realtor is telling me, I can't show you before we go live. I can't show you the property before we go live. It needs to go live as an order from the court or something like that. And we can't do this off. We we just can't do this off market. Now, my investors slash flippers, they're telling me that's incorrect. Am I missing? It depends on the type of probate that was filed for and opened, I would say as a generalization, that is incorrect. There are certainly certain cases where that's true. And I would say that your friend that also does this probably has just run into more of those. And they may also be thinking about the new um, rules that were passed in the Realtor Code of Ethics that says that you can't market a property that's not listed in the MLS. So there's probably a a few areas of confusion. You need to look at each case individually. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. I'll do that for sure. Thank you. Thank you, Fed. We do have one more person in the queue, but we, Tim, you wanted to make a comment uh, first. Go until the end. You get to the person in the queue and right. save it till the end. All right. Sounds like a plan. And guys, we do have more room for more. Hit star six and hit one, please. You can be up next. Right now, the final person in the queue is phone number ending in 8511. You're up next. Hey, guys. My name is Eric here in Los Angeles. Been with you guys for a couple of months now. And I got to say, I've been in real estate for about 16 years. I've never really prospected probates and all this other stuff. Um, They just come just from geographic farming and sphere of influence. But I'm looking at, I've done some mail outs. I don't really have a system for calling and go after attorneys. 
I feel like that would be a greater return on investment down the road. And I was curious, what would you guys recommend as far as? So, Eric, attorneys attorneys are probably a longer play than the personal representatives themselves. They You don't often get as many of them signed up, so to speak, for your services as you do the personal representatives. But when you do, they're generally good for a couple of deals a year, sometimes more. The big players are good for more, but they have more people that are going after them, where the smaller attorneys don't have many agents or investors prospecting them or pursuing them. Uh, They might not give as much business, but they're a little easier to land. All in all, I think that your overall probate approach needs to be focused on the leads first and an attorney second. Even though in five years, I would hope that you get as much business from the attorney as you do from the leads. Uh, it's just not going to happen on day one. It's just, it's just a slower build with attorneys. Now, one of the ways that you can go about getting attorneys is go to the sources of who refers attorneys the most. And we know that probate attorneys are typically also estate planning attorneys. And often right. they get the, the bulk of their referral business from uh, financial advisors. So what I'm doing is I'm leveraging my relationship with financial advisors and I'm offering them free marketing and different things like that inside of my campaign. And in return, I'm asking them to connect me through text, email, phone, face-to-face introductions. I'm asking them to connect me with the attorneys that they refer. And that's a great way to get a warm introduction to an attorney who could really support your business in the long run. Okay. Let me ask you, with the leads that we're getting, I know they say probate leads, are some of these like just death of joint tenants? I'm noticing the person that's in charge of the estate has the same address. Yeah, most of the time that's a surviving spouse. Not every time, but often it's a surviving spouse. Sometimes it could be the the, the heir. It could be the, the child that their elderly parent moved in with them. You don't okay. always want to want to base it off of the deceased last address. Oftentimes, they may have moved. They may have moved to a nursing home. They may have moved into an assisted living, into their kid's house, anything like that. And that deceased last address might not be the house that needs to be sold. There still could be a lot of real estate in that estate that does need to be sold. Got it. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm always looking for uh, patterns. <laughs> yep. I've yeah. been a surviving spouse. I, I, I don't know percentage, but I'd say more than 50% will be a surviving spouse. And they will eventually, a lot of them will eventually sell the real estate. It might not happen as fast as if it's a kid or a sibling, but it still happens um, very frequently that the surviving spouse will eventually sell. Cool. And then just one last question. Are you are you guys exporting this like into a dialer or a CRM to go through the numbers or do you just dial right off the CRM you guys have? That's a good question, and we get that a lot. It really all depends on the number of leads that you're working and your other lead sources. If you have huge amounts of leads that you're working, you may want to go ahead and download your list for a dialer and load it into a dialer. If you're dealing with 100 total leads a month, it's not hard to just dial right out of the all the leads or work the all the leads CRM and dial off of your cell phone. So. It, it depends on your business as a whole and how much prospecting you do. If you're doing less than an hour a day, you could probably do it out of our CRM with no problems at all. Cool. All right. Hey, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank yep. you, sir. Thanks, Eric. We do. We.
We do have two more that have jumped in the queue. Next up is phone number ending in 0770. You're up next. Are you there? McKinney, Texas. Unmute yourself. Oh. We'll have to move to the last. There you are. There you go. What can we do for Hi. you? Ah, sorry. This is a different phone number. I'm not no used to it. I managed to get in touch with the personal representative, and his mom had passed away, and the property is for sale on Zillow. And so I went up and looked, and they are doing a for sale by owner, but it is overpriced by about $12,000. So my question is, should I reach out to them and say, look, guys, you're never going to get this, or should I just let them go on their merry way? You should do something in, in between. You should definitely reach out, realizing that they want, that they're probably having experiencing some unrealistic expectations or it could be a financial need so do reach out i probably would not take that initial opportunity to correct them i would just ask what their plans for the property are i might not i might even pretend that i don't know that they're listed as a for sale by owner so i'm just using that phone call as an opportunity to dig for information if they say that they're going to sell or if they say they're already listed for sale by owner, I would say, instead of what are you listed for, I would say, what do you think the home is worth? I want to get an idea of where their expectations are. And then also, who's driving the decision for the list price? Uh, for all we know, they're just throwing it out there, saying it's a hot market, let's see if we can get it, and then we'll drop the price if we don't. So using your first call as a chance to correct them will probably just alienate those people. But you should definitely call and strike up a conversation. It's funny. I had one like that. I had one like this that this week. I called the guy back, and I I always say it, it appears like you're not listed with a realtor right now, are you? And he said, No. He said, I've got it on Zillow, but they told me they could get a ridiculous price. So I said, Okay, go ahead and try. <laughs> so that was good. It was. Sometimes you'd be surprised. I don't. I'm not real clear on how Zillow works, but I don't. I think it's relatively cheap, and they don't charge a lot up front. So yeah, I call it ask. That's a good. I, I agree. That's a good strategy. Makes sense. Makes sense. Thanks much. Thank you. Uh, last up this week, and then Kim, we might even have time for you after this last caller. Last up is phone number ending in one nine one zero. You're up next. First things first. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. What's that, sir? Yes, sir. Okay. This is my first time doing this, so bear with me on how this works. I have a sick, kind of a sticky situation, probate situation. So I got a lead with a seller who wants to sell to me, but the person who stays in the house is her sister. And the, there's this contention there. And so the PR, according to everything like y'all and all that, is the sister that I'm talking to. But the sister lives in the house, according to her, she doesn't own the house to sell the house, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm in the situation where, because they find some form, because the, the house comes with the house in the lot, an adjacent lot to the house. And so I'm kind of in a situation where I'm trying to feed the system, the, the PR information on how she can get all the legal documents necessary to evict the system. And I want to know, how can I best learn about the probate so I can kind of let her know how, how it works? I don't know if that's yeah, just to clarify, you're dealing with the person who is the PR in the house. The sister is there, and she obviously doesn't own the house. Is she one of the heirs, do you know, or is she just uh, an unhappy uh, tenant that doesn't want to move, uh, or the, both? The house was left by their mother in two, two opposing stories. But according to paperwork and, and according to you guys, I guess, ATL, all the leads, 
the sister that I'm talking to is the PR, and she has all the, all the information. So I had a, I had her talk to one of my partners, and we talked about how she needs to get the quick claim deed. Would y'all agree with that? Only if the sister that's living in the house is willing to do that. It doesn't sound like... No, not the sister in the house, the PR that I'm talking to. Yeah, who's she going to quit the claim to, though? Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's the sister in the house that would have to quit her claim. And if she's not willing to do that, then... Bruce, I go ahead. Interrupt I, you. I think what he might have been saying is the PR is willing to quit claim the house to him. He's an investor. Is that what you were saying, sir? Yes, I already have a contract. She sold the house to me on contract. But the thing is, that the, I want to get in the house to take pictures. But the sister in the house, I'll give you names. The sister name is yeah. Linda, okay? PR is Brenda. The sister name is Linda. So according to Linda, Brenda, because she's had this issue before, doesn't have any right to sell the house because according to Linda, she doesn't own the house. According to Brenda and all the leads, she is the PR. She has all the rest of the house. And so the, so I'm trying to help her get so like everything from she's getting the water bill in her name, just that, like everything that paperwork-wise, for the house she has was there a will and have you seen it was there a will i haven't seen the i haven't seen the will but i i have she has paperwork she definitely she has paperwork she showed me and she told me about it but my, yeah. my thing is like the her move go ahead so she has paperwork she's the personal representative with letters testamentary yeah. but we don't know who the house was left to just because she has is the personal representative does not mean that the sister owns no piece of the house. Personal representative just means you administer the estate. And if the other heirs are not willing to sell, then you need to go to mediation or you need a third party involved to communicate with everyone and find out what they want. So in this case, you have two sisters that one sister is saying, hey, she sold you the house. She didn't have a right to sell you the house. When in reality, um, we don't know which one of them is correct. Is there an My attorney? Bet. Is there an attorney involved in this deal? The PR has an attorney. The Linda, the sister, had one, but he quit on well, her. Well, who filed the probate? Did the family do it themselves, or was there an attorney that filed the probate? That I don't know. I want to say the attorney did, though. Because that, I would probably call the attorney and try to just get it sorted out. Who is where and who owns what? In any case, I would be reluctant to take title to a house with a disgruntled tenant in there, especially with what's going on with COVID. You may have a property you can't do anything with for a long time. So I will okay. find that out first. Find that out first. What from the attorney, make sure that the PR owns it, make sure that the whether the girl is an heir or not. And then I would try to, if it's a good enough deal for you, see if you can bribe her to get out of there. Give her a few thousand dollars if you have to relocate her. That's rather what than, I was saying, because the, the, the kicker is the fact that it's actually two sisters in the house. It's a one adopted one and Linda, her blood sister. Her blood sister is, is Linda and an adopted sister who lives in there. Linda just recently moved into the house with her adopted sister from across the street. Wow. <laughs> exactly. And so they could just go right back across the street. And they, they've had this yeah. issue before. I guess trying to come in and uh, look at the house and then they, the sisters in there scared them off. I'm not really. Yeah, no, no, no matter how you do it, I, I would start with an, a conversation with the attorney. And myself, I wouldn't close on that house until it was vacant. So however you got to accomplish that, you know what I mean? If it's a good enough deal, you can in the, if it's a good enough deal and anybody who's in there is getting money, that's an incentive. But if they're not, you may have to give them a few thousand dollars they wouldn't have otherwise and help them give them first, last, and a month security and for another property. 
But I, I think the place to start is with the attorney and really make sure who has a who has an interest and who's an heir and who isn't. <laughs> you, call us back after that if you need more help with this deal. Oh, for sure. Okay. All right. Thank you. And Tim, it's nobody else in the queue. You had some closing thoughts or something you wanted to mention? Well, I really just wanted to ask Bruce to take just a moment, Bruce, and update the people on the call, particularly our subscribers, in regard to what we're doing with foundations. Some of them may not have seen their email and all of that. And I said this on the last call. I'm going to say it real quick, and then I'll flip it to you. Make sure that you have made it that your email can receive messages from alltheleads.com. Oftentimes, stuff gets dropped into spam filters and other things, or you ignore it. And we are making a lot of very positive changes, adding to the value of your uh, subscription. And you need to be following along so that you do, in fact, know what's cooking and you're able to take good advantage of all the cool stuff that we're doing. And if you're not getting our emails, that's not happening. We also had some folks that jumped on the role play call yesterday, even though we had uh, announced that we were making some changes there. So, Bruce, just take a second and verbally walk through that, and then we can call it a day. But just let people know about foundations a little bit. Yep. So, essentially, what we're doing is almost every single week on Wednesdays, we're going to be rolling out a series of foundations classes, generally the five or six topics that uh, I run into the most on my coaching calls, um, and these five or six are uh, covered on 90% of the one-on-one -on -one coaching calls that I do. So we're taking those, and instead of having to wait for an entire month to have another call with me, or sometimes longer if my schedule is booked out, you can join on the first and third Wednesday of each month at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, a Foundations class. It's a couple of hours long, and yesterday was our first one. For those of you that did have some trouble with that yesterday, we apologize. We're, we'll get you the recording, and we'll also host it again in two weeks. So the first and, first and third Wednesday of each month at 2 o'clock Eastern. And then on the alternating weeks, the second and the fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we're doing about an hour and a half long role play call. All four of those classes, whether it's the role play or the foundations, they're all going to be held on Zoom. So make sure that you have Zoom downloaded on your phones or computers when you try to get in. And if you, if you want to join those, uh, you do need to register ahead of time. We have some Zoom limits on the number of people that can join. And I just want to make sure that you've registered. And at the moment, that's free for our subscribers. The, if you are not a subscriber, be, listening out as I work through a couple of the kinks that we discovered yesterday. Uh, that will be available to you that are not subscribing. You can join those classes. There will be a small fee, but it's very much worth it. Perfect. Great. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. I appreciate that. And I just think we needed to let everybody know that not only that, but you're going to be seeing a lot more. We're all about continuing to add value and grow the value of what we're offering. And we want to continue to hammer home the point that we're not just selling you leads. We're selling you a system that's designed to make you be successful. And the more we can assure that by adding feature and value to that, just like this call, obviously, we're making sure here that you get the opportunity to ask any questions that you want and we'll answer anything and any problems that you're having, any weirdness that you're running into, a deal that you need help with, we're here to help. You've got access to some of the best minds in the business to ask any questions that you want. And we'll be happy to help you. Realize that we're way doing, doing way more than just selling you leads, and we want to bend over backwards to help you. So 
pay attention to your emails. Jimmy. All right, perfect, guys. That wraps up another great call. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here. I want to particularly thank those who actively participated. I want to challenge everybody. You took an hour out of your time to be here. Take one thought, one idea, one thing that inspired you on this call. Go out and put it into practice and come back next Thursday and share the results with the group. Be productive. Be healthy. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you at the same time next Thursday. Take care.